turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Last week, we started our Ephesians uh, series uh, over identity, and that's kind of where we're, what we're calling it, our identity that is found in Christ. And uh, last week, we had a, just a great time talking about being uh, chosen by God, being redeemed by Christ, and being clinched by the Holy Spirit. And uh, it was just a lot of fun talking about that uh, first chapter. And as you look through Ephesians, I'm telling you, Ephesians is one of my favorite books. My life verse comes out of Ephesians chapter 4. And, uh, it, but as you look through Ephesians, there's so much meat in the book of Ephesians as Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus. He's just trying to just pour and encourage them to, uh, to understand what they came from and where they are, that you're made alive in Christ and you're locked in forever. And he's just trying to say, he's trying to say and uh, show them some just over and over the goodness of God, and as we get to the ch- second chapter of Ephesians, there's some deep, deep meat in those first ten verses. It's one of those things where uh, some of you, this might be some of your life verse. Some of these scriptures that you probably memorized before come out of this, uh, especially verse eight. For as by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. This is a gift from God, and so that no one can boast. It's one of those verses that we we would we we just know. Especially in church world, you've heard this over and over and over. And uh, it would be really, really easy to talk about that. It would be really easy to talk about that first section of Ephesians. But I am choosing to talk about the second half of chapter 2 this morning. As Mark and I were discussing this, uh, we we felt like you guys have heard that first part a lot. And you could be encouraged, and I, I know you could be encouraged by that first part. But I really want you to check out this second part, see what God has for you here in the second part of Ephesians chapter 2, and understand that it's one of those chapters that if we don't really, excuse me, sections, if we really don't understand what Paul is talking about, we're not going to get it fully. So if we don't understand, we're not going to get it. And that happens in school. Uh, It happens in your workplace if you're training on something. It happens all the time. But if you don't fully understand it, it's not going to make sense. You're not going to fully comprehend it. So um, we're going to dive in here, and we're going to talk about something that I'm not sure. I know I haven't talked about in the past uh, almost two years of being here. I'm not sure that it's, it's been talked about in a while, if it has even been spoken about. But we're going to talk about racism today. And it's one of those, those topics that it's like, whoa, that's kind of a taboo talk, talk point as we come in here. But today we are going to talk about racism. And we're going to talk about how this isn't anything new. What we're dealing with today is something that we've dealt with before, even past the Civil War, even go way past in time that racism is going, has been going on for a long time. And if you're not careful, you'll hear this word racism as we're talking about it, and it, uh, emotions will start welling up. For some of us, we'll get, we'll, we could get angry, or for some of us, we could get upset, or for some of us, we could point the finger, or for some of us, we could do whatever, you fill in the blank, or for some of you, just say, I don't care, it doesn't bother me, it's not a part of my life, I'm not racist, I get it. But today, that's what we need to talk about as we go into chapter 2. And so this awkward tension right now, when I say that word, we can feel it. 
But I want to, at the end of our talk this morning, to understand that this isn't anything new. And how do we battle this in a world and a culture that that is front and center? As you watch the news, as you listen to the radio, as you listen to music, we hear this struggle, this term racism, and it's packaged in so many different terms, in so many different ways. It's at some point we hear it and we kind of just sometimes just tune it off. It's like, oh, that's a race crime, or oh, that's a, that's, that something had to do with race, and we go, not again, or it's like, I just can't handle it anymore, I'm just not listening to it. And we hear this, and we're like, man, it, we just get desensitized to it. But we need to understand what racism is, and talk to it, and talk about it, and understand that this is something that even in a Christian's heart... It occurs, and God doesn't want it to be there, and he's seen it since the beginning of time, and it doesn't go away, but there can be a change, and it can start with us. So as we think about what the word racism means, it's ra it, you know, break it down, and it starts with race. It talks about a race or a group of people with common ancestry. And as you look at race, uh, race as it is in our terms, it can even go down to the simplest point of someone who does not look like us, who does not share the same traits as us. It's, it's someone who is not the same as we are. And you know what I'm talking about, and you haven't thought of it in a biblical or a spiritual way or a spiritual term or thought base, but that's what I want us to think about today. As we look back in Scripture, we see racism all throughout the Old Testament. We think even about the Egyptians and the Israelites, how the Egyptians hated the Israelites. And so they put them in captivity, put them in slavery. Let me ask you a question. Maybe you know the answer, and if you haven't picked it up already, we need to listen a little more. We need that other shot of five-hour energy. But why did Jonah get swallowed by the whale? Or the great fish, sorry. The great fish. Why did Jonah get swallowed by the great fish? But why didn't he want to go to Nineveh? He didn't like him. He didn't like him, but he was racist. racist. Very good. Okay. He was racist. That is seriously why he did not want to go to Nineveh. He was racist to the Ninevites. He looked at them and said, they are not like me. They don't talk like me. They don't look like me. The, the original Hebrew talks about how they were a different skin color than him. And he said, I am not going. And it had nothing to do, well, it did have everything to do with his disobedience to the Lord. The God, God of all the days of creation told him to go to Nineveh, and he said no. And because of that, he got on a boat to Tarsus, and what happened to the boat? What happened? Anybody? Remember that from Bible studies? Big storm. Big storm. <laughs> Thunder, lightning. And he goes, this is my fault. And then what happens? He says, throw me off the boat. This is my fault. And so the sailors are like, I'm not supposed to throw you overboard. And he's like, no, 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 you need to throw me overboard. This is going to happen. And so they start rowing backwards, and they're like, no, no, no. And so finally he, he gets off the boat, goes into the water, and check this out, gets swallowed by a great fish. 
Now, you know this story. This is not anything new. And then in chapter 2 of Jonah, read it. I don't understand how it worked. I don't know, you know, if you watch the stories and you watch the little cartoons, it's like Jonah sets a fire in the, the, the belly of the whale or the fish. It's always a whale, but it's a, this great fish. And he sets a fire and he's like warming his hands. And, but at some point, Jonah's still alive. How do I know he's alive? Because it says in chapter 2, from the inside of the great wish, uh, fish, he says this prayer. You can't say, pray a prayer if you're dead. He's alive in this fish. And then three days later, what's the fish do? No, he doesn't just spit them out. It's not like, he vomits. The scripture says it vomits him out on the shore. Like, like that, like gross. You've been inside a, well, a fish. I keep calling it a well. It's not a well. It's like the, the fruit in the Garden of, of Eden was not an apple. I don't know why it was picked as an apple. could have been like tangerine. I don't know. But, but here's the deal. We, we think it's a well, but it, it's a great fish, and the, the fish vomits him out. And the whole point of that was because he was disobedient to the Lord because he was racist. He was racist. He did not want to go and tell the Ninevites about God because they did not look like him. But it doesn't stay in the Old Testament. It happens in the New Testament. And we see this even in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul talks to this. He talks to this point. Because right now, there's, there's two groups of people. Jews, those who are God's anointed people, those who are chosen by God. But then there was another group who we would fit in called the Gentiles. The Jews and Gentiles were at war, not at war with each other, but there was a racial tension there because Jews did not think that Gentiles would be chosen. They were like, no, we're the chosen people of God. We're the ones who were anointed by the Lord. But Paul says, and we'll get to it in a second, and it's all throughout Scripture. Jesus even speaks to it, that the salvation of the Lord and from the Lord is for Gentiles as well. And so we get to chapter 2, verse 10, and we're going to say verse 10, and then we're going to really hone in on verse 11 and following. But we see this tension here. And we, we, we enter in the scene where Paul is writing this letter saying, guys, you've got to cut it out. You've got to cut it out. And so we're going to pray. We're going to dive in. We're going to see how God can speak to us through this section of Scripture and maybe you'll hear something you never heard before, and maybe we'll, we'll leave here with a little encouragement on this big C church that we're a part of. Cool? Let's pray. God, I love you, and I thank you for these teenagers that are here. God, I ask that this morning, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would open up your word uh, and, and reveal it to us this morning. Lord, this is something that we don't really talk about a whole lot, but I think it's super duper important. So, Lord, I pray that you would remind us of your goodness, remind us of your grace, and it's only through you we are saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, verse 10. If you have your scriptures, hopefully you've already turned there. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to say this verse, and we're going we're, we're gonna, to, well, actually, let's try to say this together. I know your version is not maybe not the same, but if you have an NIV Bible, if you have an NIV Bible, I want you to say this with me. Maybe you don't have an NIV. You can still say it as well. It might sound a little different, but I'm going to say it, and then you guys keep on rolling. Kind of like Dr. Youssef. I like when he rolls like that, but we're just going to say this one verse. 
All right. For we are God's workmanship or handiwork. What's it? Keep going. Created. Verse 10. Verse 10. Remember I said that a minute ago. All right. So let's try one more time. For we are God's. Keep going. Created. All right, now we need to understand that right off the bat. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He says we. Now, right off the bat, right off the bat, he says we, and he's speaking of Jews and Gentiles. So right off the bat, he wants everyone to understand that if you're reading this letter in the church of Ephesus, this is for the Jew and for the Gentile. This is not exclusively for the Jews. This letter and what I'm about to say, Paul is saying, this isn't exclusive for one group, and it's not exclusive just for the Gentiles. It's exclusive for everyone. So let's dive into verse 11. Let me read that for you. Therefore, and so that's why I had us read verse 10, because anytime you see therefore, you always have to, a- have to ask, what's the therefore? therefore? Therefore, very good. What's the therefore? Therefore, well, he says we're God's workmanship, and therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised, well, we won't talk about that, ask your parents about that, by those who call themselves the circumcision, or again, ask your parents, that done in the body by the hands of men. Verse 12, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now, he's talking to the Gentiles, and you need to understand that if you haven't picked that up. In Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Verse 14, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, has destroyed the bar, uh, the barrier, excuse me, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. He, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. Key word. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Verse 17. Can you hang in with me? We're almost done. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. Verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So let's break this down a little bit. We've got to roll quickly through this. If we were to look at 11 through 13, if you're taking notes, we understand, we see the racial tension between the Gentiles and 
the Jews. And again, Paul starts off in verse 10 talking about we're all together in this. We are God's workmanship. And then he breaks it down and says, but I want to talk to you Gentiles just for a second. You have some nicknames, people who call you different names, the uncircumcision. And then some people say you're the circumcision. Again, ask your parents about that. And then we're just going to keep rolling. But he says that this is a tension he says this tension is not something that it just comes and goes. This tension is there, and that tension is something that keeps battling because you're not getting the recognition as a Gentile because the Jews are saying that you are not truly saved. You're not a part of this kingdom work. You weren't really God's workmanship. You were kind of an afterthought. And Paul says, no, 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 no. That's not what it is. You need to understand. But now, verse 13, in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Very important. We'll get back to the blood of Christ in a second. But as we look at verse 14 through 17, 14 through 17. Can someone show me the recurring word that comes up? And he really says it. I'll give you a hint. He says it four times in those verses. The recurring word that he says it four times. He says one thing four times that Christ came to bring. Peace. Peace. He came to bring peace. Now, you need to understand, any time that you see a word that's repetitive, like holy, holy, holy is the Lord, or uh, words that are, are said over and over in a section of Scripture, you need to understand that the author is trying to explain to us the gravity of what he's trying to say. Jesus came to bring what? Peace. All right, Jesus came, one more time, to bring what? Peace. Peace. So we all understand that in the, these verses, 14 through 17, that Jesus came to bring peace, to abolish the law with his commandments and regulations. The two have connection through the cross. And he brings peace. And then he says, verse 18, one of those verses that is tritarianistic. Tritarianistic, try saying that word, tritarianistic. That's a fun word. Tritarianistic. In meeting, verse 18. For through him... We both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Through Him being Jesus, we have access to the Father, God, through the Spirit. Who's the Spirit? You're going, oh yeah, I wish I had that extra hour of sleep. I'm with you. We're almost done. You'll see here how it all connects in a second. Verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. He's talking to the Gentiles there. He says, I say all this to say that you're a part of the citizenship in heaven. You are a part, the Jews and Gentiles, because of what Jesus did on the cross. The, the God-man had joined them together. And there's one man now. And he's saying this all importance. As you see in verse 20 through 22, he's talking about the building of God, not brick and mortar, not a church start or, uh, you know, a, a, a gym or meeting in a school, not when I say brick and mortar, a physical building, but in God's people. And literally what he's meaning is in flesh and blood. 
And so we look at this. And we say we see this racial tension between the two, the Jews and the Gentiles. We see this tension that's battling, and Paul is speaking. That's what I love about Paul. He doesn't hide. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He wants to talk straight to the problems so that everybody understands that they can't, they can't get around it. This is something that's real. And so he talks straight to it. And I see three things, three traits, three traits that believers have in common in these verses. Three traits that believers have in common, if you're taking notes, in these verses. Number one, three traits. Number one, the first one is, your citizens in the kingdom of God. Your citizens in the kingdom of God. Look at verse 19, that first part. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people. That foreigner is meaning that short-term, transient, and that alien, that someone who settled for a while but then leaves. He's saying, that's not what you are. You are citizens in God's kingdom. We belong to the kingdom with no end. Think about this. Think about it. Think about the rise and fall of kingdoms that have happened on our planet. For centuries, the Persian kingdom or the Roman Empire or the British Empire, they have all fallen. Every one of them. They're fallen. And if there's a kingdom going on, it will fall ultimately one day. But the kingdom of God will never fall. It has no end. And to that, that's one of those things we hear this and we're like, God, or Ryan, I get this. God's kingdom will never end. And I've heard this. But do we understand that we're citizens? Like we don't have to pull out our passport and show where we're from. God says, I know your name, and you'll spend eternity with me in my kingdom because you belong here. Jew or Gentile, you belong. And that's an encouragement as a believer that, that Paul shows us this trait, no matter what you look like or where you come from, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're a citizen in God's kingdom, but it doesn't stop there. Number two, you're a part of God's family. I'll never forget being a part of this small Southern Baptist church. I was, I was, I was the youth pastor, had the honor and the privilege, but every Sunday morning we would end like this. We would hold hands as a congregation. I, knew, I always felt like it would be awkward for the visitors if they did this like, so we're all going to join hands and we're going to sing this. And, and for the visitor, you'll understand, it's, it's a song, it's an old hymn. I don't know if you've ever heard it. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Anybody ever heard that? Perfect. All right, so I have, and, and that's what they would do. They would, we would sing that song, and I'm thinking, man, what about the visitor? What about the, the person who doesn't know Christ? I'm so glad. But what, what it's saying is, what? And you're a part of God's family. We have straight up access to the Father. I think about my, my children. My ch I love my kids so much. But if I'm in a meeting, I'm in my office, or if I'm, if I'm talking to someone, or I'm around, I have the door shut, you know what? They have, they have full ability to bust in there. They have full ability to do that. Now, I might say, hey, buddy, i got to talk to you in a second. But they can just come on in. They can come on in and sit in my lap because they have total access to their daddy. 
They have total access. That's what we have to God. And he's never busy. He never says, I'll get with you in just a second. He says, come on in. You're a part of the family. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I love you so much. We're family. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. So you're citizens of God's kingdom, and you're a part of God's family, but it doesn't stop there. You're a stone in the, in the building of God's church. You're a stone in the building of God's church. Even Peter talks about that in his letter, 1 Peter 2, 5. He says you're living stones. You're living stones. You're living, breathing stones. And that's when I think about the church. We're, we're really quick to talk about the church as this building, yeah, this is where the church comes. This is where we congregate. This is where we find community sometimes. This is where we worship together. This is where we find encouragement. But you and I are the church. And I know you, you hear that, but do we let that sink in? You're the church. And for some of you and your friends, you're the only church anyone will ever see. You're the only church that anyone will ever see. So as we think about the gravity of what God's given us, that we are living stones, that we're living this out, I think about, I think about when I was a kid. Man, we had this creek behind our house. Anybody have a creek behind your house? That's one of those things. Oh, man, I love having a, a creek. I don't have one now. I have a driveway behind my house. But, like, I had a creek behind my house, and we'd go down there in the creek and play. I never was worried about a, a water moccasin or a copperhead or anything like that. I'm sure they were there. I just never thought about it. You're, like, 10 years old, and you're like, let's go down to the creek, and you just jump in. But we would take these rocks that would be all around the side, and we'd, we'd just start putting them in the water. And we wanted a swimming hole because this creek wasn't like super wide. It was probably 10 feet wide or so. And it was only about that deep. But we would stack these rocks up and we would shovel that dirt as much as the sand and put it on one side. And we would make a little swimming hole. And I know I sound like a redneck little kid, but that's what we did. We didn't have a swimming pool. We had the creek. And so we would take these rocks and we'd stack them up and we'd dam that water up. And here's the deal. The whole point of this is rocks scattered, they don't do any good. But you put a rock together with other rocks, they make a difference. And when I think about the stones that God has called us, living stones as the church, think about it. We can make a difference together. That's why we're having these community groups. That's why we're going into your communities for you to invite your friends to someone's house, a non-threatening place where they can come, they can have some food, we can play some games, but we talk about relevant stuff. And we want you to be a part of that. Because we're going out from this brick and mortar place, going out to our communities where you go to high school, where you go uh, to, to work. And we want you to come to those places. And we really pray that you're there tonight. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be really cool. When I think about a song... Growing up, we've all sang this song. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow. Whoa, I started <laughs> in a tough key. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. We've heard this song. If you haven't, that's a, a kid's song that we, you, know, you grew up singing in church. And we sing this as children, and we go, man, Jesus really does love everyone. And then we get a little older and we say, man, 
Jesus loves everyone, but they don't look like me, so how could Jesus ever love them? They might be an emo kid, or they might be a jock, or they might be a, a, a nerd. Jesus, Jesus can't love them like he loves me. You know what that is? That's spiritual racism. It's exactly what the Jews were doing to the Gentiles. It's exactly what was going on in our day, or their day, and it's going on in our day. And so what if we thought about something a little different? What if we thought outside of the box? Listen, what if we thought outside of the box of a black church, or a white church, or an Asian church, or a Russian church? What if we, we got out of the box of that, listen, and just said a red church? What if we said, we, we go to a red church? We're a part of a red church. And you're going, what does that even mean, a red church? Listen, what does he say right here? Verse 13, listen, don't miss it right here. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. See, we're together in this. And you cut us all, we all bleed the same color. But moreover, the blood of Christ that was shed for us is for everyone. Red and yellow, black and white, goths and jocks and nerds and dweebs. We're all precious in His sight. Listen, Jesus loves us. Jesus loves your friends. Let's show Him, show her what Jesus looks like because of the blood of Christ has changed you. Let's pray. God, I love you and I thank you for your word. I pray that you'd you let us understand the gravity of what you have to say to us in these sections of Scripture that we really just kind of flow through. We talk about cornerstone and we talk about citizenship and heaven and a family of God and we just kind of breeze through that and we talk we, we read this and we're like I don't want to get into it but God I thank you for this morning that we we don't have a choice but to get into it God because you want us to see something and so for my friends here today Lord I pray that they would understand what you have for them and the call that you have on their lives it's not about what we look like, what kind of clothes we wear, what color our skin is. God, you have a plan for us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would show us that every single day. But we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.